It is Sunday, the 18th of July, 2021, and this is episode 399 of Digital Outbox. Hello and welcome to another episode of Digital Outbox. I am Chris and as ever we are joined by the very sunny Scotland with Ian. It's it's sunny, it's hot, I'm sweaty, it's 10am, shouldn't be this hot. Yeah, uh, it's, it's we we're, we we decided between us nineteen twenty degrees is our absolute limit. Anything beyond that is to be struck off and uh, and should not exist. Which is a problem in the world of uh, increasing global temperature, isn't it? Never mind. I mean, we're just saying. I think we get we get two or three of these podcasts a year where it's like just uncomfortably hot. Yeah, uh, I think I think doing it in the morning, but because I think because we always just do it at night. So I remember there was night podcast where it was like probably, you know, 28, 29. Yeah, um, not this office, just, it turns into an oven, so yeah. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. So we'll get it done now, um, uh, <laughs> morning <laughs> podcast, right, <laughs> oh no. Should point out as well, Chris, Chris is, is like the most tiredest I've seen him in weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. And we're going to start with a <laughs> story of death. <laughs> John, John, <laughs> they shouldn't be laughing. John McAfee, the antivirus creator and general, ah, a bit f- strange person, has been found dead in a prison cell um, in Europe. Um, in Spain, wasn't it? They were going to be deporting him for tax evasion and tax fraud. Uh, John McAfee, yep, famous for obviously McAfee antivirus, the first antivirus piece of software, um, but also kind of famous for being a bit of a maverick and a, uh, you know, on the edges. He certainly became a bit paranoid uh, about state surveillance and state intervention in his life and and, and uh, properties. But he was going to be deported to America and he has been found dead in a cell. They're saying all evidence is pointing to that being suicide at this point. Um with the voice of John McAfee, I'm sure he would say that's what they want you to think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's, I mean they're right. It's it's. I was amazed. I was amazed. It was maybe like ten, twelve years ago. I guess the kind of true, you know, kind of what McAfee is and what he was like kind of came out. I don't know if he just got worse. He's got older as well. So he was. Do you remember the video he released online where he was in like a smoking jacket in his office and just, yeah, berating everything, wasn't he? He was uh, quite interesting. And so he's tried to, you know, he tried to, you know, be the Libertarian Party's candidate for presidential elections in America. Um, He's, you know, he's he's synonymous with cryptocurrency. And and I would say lots of some of the dubious bits of cryptocurrency he's probably more synonymous with. and actually, I was just chuckling at the notes. So he, he had an interview with the BBC in 2013, and he says he's never used the McAfee antivirus software on his own computer. That's right. Didn't trust it. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> does make you wonder about about the whole McAfee product. Um, but yeah. But ultimately, yeah, he's, he'd been um, putting all his money into you know crypto, so getting paid in crypto, and obviously that's not going via the tax systems, and that's why he's being ex- deported apparently, and that's why. Anyway, he is he is no more. Uh, and we won't we'll hear the last of this because his his wife and family have come out and said that he's you know there's no way we've of suicide mm. you know and, and but but they'll want to keep the story going there'll be money involved sure. and probably books and 
TVs and all sorts. Following on from that fabulous news, we've got new Brexit um, features and uh, advantages. So EE has now decided that it will start charging EU roaming charges again uh, for UK customers going into the European Union. So obviously as part of that, one of the sort of final bits of European legislation that we took on board was the uh, roaming became free um, across Europe. Um, but that has now changed. It was initially looking like the companies might not do it, but EE's certainly jumped uh, and other companies are sort of doing a fair usage sort of agreement at the moment. But EE, obviously one of the big ones, that was T-Mobile and Orange, wasn't it, that collaborated on that? Um, um, and then, yeah, uh, it looks like that is the end of free roaming because surely the other, everyone else is going to jump on board. Uh, looks like it because when 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 one leads, yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's some money they can pick up. They, were, you know, while no one did it, I guess that no one, you know, they didn't want to be the first to jump. But now, yeah, that's right. It's just it's just disappointing. Everybody everybody said it was coming, and and obviously all the people, all the Brexit supporters, says no, it won't. Don't be daft. That won't possibly oh. do that. <laughs> yeah, oh dear. Yeah. yeah, there we go. And it's people. I think people, you know, people that travel a lot, you, you take it for granted, especially around Europe. You just go yeah. abroad, and it's you know, it's because it's talking. I mean, it's two pound a day, you know. So if you've got, a, I guess, if you're on your own and you think, well, it's twenty quid over a couple of weeks, it's not 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 much. But if you've got a family, yeah. you're up at a hundred quid. It's still better than it used to be. I, mean, I have to say that you know, it used to be that you got charged be, extortionate yeah. data rates and then the actual facility as well. So it's still better than it was, but but nevertheless, yeah, it's just a, a step backwards, isn't it? It just makes things more difficult. But I guess all these companies are having increased costs from the cost of doing business to the UK now. With all the you know, there's lots and lots of different regulations coming in now about what has to happen to get products and goods and services flowing so yeah uh another good, great news story <laughs> yay lots of computers being hacked and ransomware this is um casia is is that how you say it it was uh i was going to say casia but, okay, but i have no idea yeah so this is a piece of sort of software that that quite often sort of service industries would install on you know if it's say if you're a you know an IT professional offering services to a small company saying we'll look after your network quite often this piece of software was installed as part of that process so they could sit there and monitor and check and and look but it looks like the update process has been compromised with a new sort of zero day hack uh, by a russian um uh, uh, organization they call it i think malware or ransomware as a service which is just an awful service industry to be in <laughs> um and they have basically yeah like crypt uh, sorry um encrypted a whole ton of computers based on this software so the, the company have come out and immediately said please just shut down all of your servers until we found a way to patch and secure them and make them uh correct but another another one of these it's actually a bit of software security software has been the entry point for these these firms to actually get in and and, and leverage the the hack. Uh, yeah, and I, I guess this is you know an, an example of supply chain hack. You know, so somewhere in your supply chain is where the hack takes place. It's not within your own network, and you but you get compromised. Um, and as you say, the fact that it was um, you know like remote management software. If you looked at the install documents for their software, it said turn off antivirus, give us full admin rights, because it, it's that type of software that needs to, you know, 
remotely log in and do things with other PCs. Um, and this is really far, it was far reaching. Like SolarWinds was the other one that, that people might remember that, that, that again spread its tentacles into a number of different places. So this impacted between eight and 1,200 businesses. And the timing was really ugly. This broke on July 2nd, um, which was a Friday, kind of late afternoon, evening, and obviously holiday weekend in America. And mm. um, so I think for a lot of the you know security teams, probably a really ugly time to try and you know deal with it. But it wasn't. It was, so it was predominantly American businesses, um, but it shut eight hundred co-op stores in um, Sweden, for example. And there were um, because... they've had it's seventeen countries were overall affected. So yeah, whilst it yeah, was yeah. maybe US US centric, it was certainly not confined there. And interestingly, they used, um, so you might have seen elsewhere as well, Print Nightmare being mentioned over the last couple of weeks. Um, so this is like a, um, a like kind of day zero vulnerability within Windows uh, around all Windows operating systems, all around print spoolers. Um, Microsoft have had four goes at fixing it. It's still not fixed. Wow. Um, and I, I think that was the back door that they used to get in. So interesting, whereas SolarWinds was very much large organizations and massive corporations being affected by that kind of update process, this was much more small, medium enterprises. So a different kind of endpoint and, you know, again, uh, just attacking some of the, you know, the, the easy flesh there. It's, um, it's not going away, is it? It was certainly going to see more. And like you say, most of the enterprises that were affected wouldn't have even known they had this software on their you know, infrastructure because the whole point was they were outsourcing this to another company to sort for them. Um, and, and it's such a difficult thing to untangle. But uh, certainly I think there's going to be some um, insurance claims going in. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned insurance because... Um, it's insurance firms that are almost forcing some firms now to pay the ransom to get them out of the hole because it's cheaper. Yep. So it's cheaper from an insurance company point of view to, you know, rather than saying, right, we'll pay out on insurance against this and it'll cost us 10 million if somebody's looking for 2 million, pay it. Um, which is clearly not what governments and, you know, the law enforcement agencies are looking for because you're, you're. No, you want zero tolerance, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's going to be the next. The next challenge is going to be the try to fight. You know, just how easy. Well, it is easy. It is easy for a lot of these firms because they're finding more and more. You know, zero days. I mean, it, I mean, past Tuesday was just this month. The amount of zero days that are included from Microsoft was was pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, I guess as more and more people attack the underlying infrastructure, you know, there's and clever and clever people out there, you know, and especially as the operating system's been around for so long, I guess that also leaves a vector of just time. It allows people time to go and do all these things. But, you know, internet collaboration brings great stuff. It brings bad, excuse me, bad stuff as well, including, yeah. Especially when, you know, so Microsoft, and, and I, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like I'm saying this is just Microsoft, it's not just Microsoft's problem. So a lot of, Lots of software vendors have got this problem because they're trying to get more and more people onto the latest versions because they're more confident about yeah. those later versions. Um, but if you don't patch, there's so many vulnerabilities in the older versions and there's still so many out there, that's the easy vector in. Yeah. It's, so it's a, it's, it's a difficult one, to, especially for a large enterprise. You know, I just think like the NHS and some of these firms that have got, you know, you know, tens of thousands of devices, you know, all the different flavours, all different versions running, you know, hundreds, thousands of different pieces of software. Really, really quite tricky. 
Well, maybe they'll be moving to a Windows 11, which has now been announced. Um, uh, in fact, it was announced a little while back now. It's just we haven't had a podcast to talk about it. Um, but yeah, it got kind of initially leaked a little bit and then and then officially announced. So we are having a Windows 11. And um, we spoke a little bit before about uh, there was a there's a few sort of requirements that this this operating system has, including some sort of chip and hardware and BIOS um, abilities that do limit its um, ability to sort of update onto older hardware. So whereas traditionally the latest version of Windows has been pretty good at working backwards compatible, it's it's a little bit um, more finickety. So they will offer it as a free update to everyone, um, but the chances are that you're going to have something in your hardware stack that probably means you need a new PC to go and do this, unless you bought one recently, uh, including some sort of trust uh, trust chip uh, you know chips on the actual circuit boards which probably help with things like this update and and you know, you know i guess the whole thing is to try and make something more secure they're they're building these systems in and that's partly why we're seeing the kind of you know this needing new hardware on 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 your pc to go and run windows 11 yeah specifically something called um tpm um so and that and actually is a chip it needs to be it's not just like a toggle it on and it and then actually it's not like that software um so you need a tpm chip on your motherboard and lots of you know pcs the last sort of three four years have it but there's also lots don't mm-hmm. um which has made that so interestingly the price of tpm chips has gone up <laughs> you know about four or five times because people are bulk buying them and then saying and there's a shortage and people are like, oh i need windows 11 I've no chip. Um, a lot of the time, it's just it's not enabled, especially for home users. Enterprises have been in doing this for probably quite a while. If you use a, if you use encryption or secure boot on your PC device, which lots of enterprises doing for, so you need a TPM chip, etc. Um, but the Windows 11 itself, um, really, really different from a UI perspective. You know, so you can you can toggle all this back and give you the old start menu if you want, but um, very. they've got it for a centralized taskbar they've got rounded cornered windows and they're going kind of that app launcher type look and feel that we see in ios and android so that definitely the influences from all those different places are coming together into windows 11 and you know it looks it looks quite pretty from what i can see and there's lots of um so i've seen lots of people talking about how fluid and fast it feels and there's lots of there's been lots of posts where because you can down you know if you're part of the 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 uh, Windows Insider you can download this and stick it on a, either a VM or on your machine, um, and there's lots of kind of you know people have talked about before in the Apple words like whimsy so the old operating systems used to have lots of you know whimsy just nice animations and nice touches that made you felt there's a lot of care and thought being put into this, and and this is what's coming out from Windows 11. There's a lot of unification around icon design. There's a lot of thought around even just how around control panel works and some of the there's a, there's a consistency there, which even in 10, even though 10's been through, I don't know, probably like 12, 14 different releases over the last six, seven years, it still keeps feeling like there's a change in this bit, but this bit, you know, this other bit's left behind and, you know, they're, they're slowly getting there. Um and and just some nice you know nice inbuilt features around you know snap layouts around getting your windows organized you know so i stick power toys on my my work windows machine to help me organize my windows and looks so it's all baked in um the focus on performance so so if you go through like uh so every at the moment windows 10 is a twice a year update um and that usually means for you know particularly from an enterprise perspective it's two three hours of updating and 
you know, reinstalling, um, they've reduced that by um, you know forty percent smaller. So that's a kind of big deal for everybody because nobody likes doubt. And also they've moved to a once a year update. So rather than these twice a year, you know, Windows drops, it's a once a, a once a year. So yeah, I actually um, actually like the look of it. I guess the controversial bit, Teams is baked in. Yeah, so instead of being Skype baked in, which was previously uh, you know, all yeah. happened on Windows 10, uh, t- yeah, Teams is now being put to the core of it, which I guess if you're part of the Microsoft, well, I guess it's the same as having, you know, the you know Google on your Chromebooks. Oh, they obviously have the Google stuff all baked in and Apple have all its cloud and enterprise software. But yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's the same kind of thing, but you're right. It's... Uh, it feels like they're certainly pushing it. Uh, yeah, and and lots of people are using Teams, and there is a real direction of travel there. And they recently did some stuff around if you're a consumer, you get Teams for free. So there's a there's a direction of travel. I'm sure they're going to get a poke from you know the antitrust folks saying this is this is a step. But too almost far. the success of their competitors actually it might reduce that impact now. You know. Uh, yeah, and that's and it'll be interesting because because if you looked at these five bills that 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 congress and america have brought in if they all landed which everybody thinks they won't but if they all landed it would mean apple could no longer sell an iphone with an app store on it and mm. um, they can no longer sell an iphone with even things like notes on it and, and it's like some of that feels quite fundamental to what you get from each of those platforms you know you, you expect an app store we do now yeah that. yeah yeah definitely yeah you know, so it's 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 like it's just interesting where where they're going down. Um, there's better gesture support. There's better tablet support. You know, so that I was going to say they're thinking about that. different devices as well. And and whereas that went horribly wrong in Windows 8, um, it actually I think they've got on top of it now. And it does sound like they're really yeah. focusing in on making sure this Windows works wherever you want it to. Which I mean, you're right to call out. Eight was a bit of a disaster. You know, it was it was it was almost like too tablet focused, and it kind of forced. Well, tablet it forgot mode that on... some people didn't have touch, and it wasn't possible to do certain yeah. things without touch. Well, most people, yeah. you know, it was like it was like you're in the minority if you had a device that supported it. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, Xbox gets a lot of mention. So I think this is just where we're seeing this focus away from the console and it's the yeah. pc and the console and cloud they are properly baking altogether. in it like they're breaking in teams they're baking in the xbox game pass and xbox you know fe- features and windows gaming effectively but it's now it's just xbox gaming isn't it so um yeah so all those kind of bits that we, we kind of because we've got the, the game pass installed we see all that kind of integration but that's all going to be coming fully baked as well um yeah I was interested. So they're bringing in. Oh, go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say. So things like auto HDR is coming, and you know, better, better driver and storage support as well. Um, so again, being able to take better advantage of the hardware you may or may not have, and even just with the Xbox app, you know, just just letting you just do the XCloud side of things. And I think we're going to see, you know, everybody's maturing up this, you know, cloud gaming. And for certain things, I think it is going to be, you know, a really easy route in just to play, you know, a bit of casual gaming. So it was. Um, I, you 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 mentioned it already. Having these sort of layout snapping snap layouts, they've called them. And, and interesting, I always I already think that Windows handles window management so much better than um, you know iOS anyway, um, or OS X or OS X. Um, 
Mac OS. Mac OS, whatever it's called these days. <laughs> yeah, that's gone through everyone except the right one. Um, and I thought it was interesting to see them doubling down on that Windows management, offering even better ways to snap. And it's actually got a sort of a memory so that if you opened up your app there last time, it will snap back to its positions. And, and you can have then different working arrangements. So if I'm in developer mode, then I can have a snap to. And if I'm doing something else, podcasting mode, I can do another one. So it's I thought that was really good to see them redoubling down on that because I think that is something that, that that, say is lacking in other places um yeah and just the whole tying together of all of their little uh, bits of software i thought that was really again a sensible move um we'll see whether competition markets uh, has has an issue no I, I agree um i do think they're far stronger when it comes to like window management um also it's things like they're taking um tiles out the start menu um but better widget support everywhere and again it feels a mess that mac os so it's you know it's, it's it's coming out widgets you're now seeing in the iPad and a real you know, real core of iOS and iPad OS, and in macOS nothing. It's it's a way tucked away in a menu bar off the side. It's like I've got this massive you know real estate. Why can't I have a widget in front of me? It just seems I don't know. It just seems Microsoft are probably being more bold around some of the design choices compared to you know compared to Apple. Apple still feel like they they need convincing. You know it's almost like they need to wait a year or two and then they'll. You know, you know, jump on it, and it, and it, I, I, that's that. I think is still my biggest ding around Apple's release strategy. It's once a year, and just some small improvements you need to wait for. Now, Microsoft are moving to a to a once a year, but they also seem to patch and do little drops as well. So, it'll be, it'll be interesting, and it's October, so it's not far away. Um, uh, it's and, and Mac OS will be October as well, so be a good comparison point just to throw that on see see how it runs uh, and it's a free upgrade you know so in the past i think there's always been a bit of debate around i can go back to when microsoft were you know 130 quid or 70 quid upgrades um and i know apple used to be i think it was was it 10 or 20 quid mm. um for their yearlies and then they just said actually nothing yeah they both ended up going yep no okay we we've they kind of i think it was apple back microsoft into a corner and microsoft said fine yep but it helps from a security perspective as well because you just get people going, why Why am I spending, like, I, mean, I remember when, I don't know if it was 95 or whatever it was, a Windows 7 came out and they were looking for that 100 odd quid and you're like, what am I getting for this? But they, And, they, and they, whenever they sell a new PC, they obviously get the license fee for the OEM on there. So, you know, they're, they're still making money from the operating system. It's just making sure existing users keep up to date with the latest, although this time around they're not going to be able to. Um Another announcement uh, from Windows, Windows 365. This is effectively a subscription cloud PC. So, wow, it, it, like the the dream of the 80s, I think, coming back to, to live. This is so, it's very enterprise focused at the moment, but allows an enterprise to go and hire effectively a, you know, a, a PC for use, um, uh, you know, and it would be a cloud-based PC. So you need some sort of system, obviously, to access it. But it, it uses kind of that streaming technology, so a user could have a a low-powered PC locally, but actually be running uh, on a, a fully, you know, secure and and enterprise secured so streaming sort of from the from their clouds first i think it's as your based system as 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 it will always be in a similar way to we play games now on remote gaming servers this is pc management and and using pc on remote pc servers uh, yeah business focus i think looking at about 30 to 35 dollars a month 
which sounds quite pricey, but if you're sitting in a, you know, and again, small, medium enterprise, you're probably paying that around device management and leasing the hardware. And I get what you say, you still need a bit of hardware to connect, but it could be an iPad. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, it. You it can use, a, literally use it anyway. It could be an Apple. <laughs> it could be, well, it could be. A, and also, if you think of the hybrid model that most companies are starting to talk around, it could be a home PC. Yeah. And you'll just, you know, you'll just sign into your... Um, remote Windows device, and you can at that point be happier as an enterprise that security all is all uh, up yep. to date, patched, and and they're only the things that go on that PC can be. You know, there's no option to install other stuff or whatever it happens to be. You know, um, you know, you can add those tightly, restrictions. It'll be tightly controlled and managed. And for some firms, they'll look at it and say, right, does that take away my you know desktop support team? Does that take away some of the engineers that I needed? And yeah. You know, they'll look at it as, a, as a, an overall cost saving. And, and that's why it's probably enterprise focused right now. There is talk about having a kind of uh, consumer-based product in the similar way. Um, but the chances are that the one-off cost of buying a PC is actually going to, you know, ultimately it's going to be less than it would cost to pay however much it is per month. But from I, an I enterprise so. perspective, the lifecycle costs have to include other, you know, like you say, engineers and support and patching and all that kind of stuff. I can see them getting to a point where they'll offer it to consumers just because they'll be... You know, I don't know. Enterprise will be ninety something percent of the business, and it's and it's easy just to say you want to you want to rent out a desktop. You know, so again, if you're a Mac guy, you need to for whatever reason, you know, you just need a every so often need a Windows you know device for something. You know, is it easier actually just paying when you need it rather than uh, you know? And again, there's a whole you used to have the whole boot option around Intel Macs with with Apple going down the um, their own ARM processor route. Again, it's maybe an easier option just to say, yeah, I'll just I'll just hire it out when I need it. UK government have come up with a plan to, or with a requirement, or a I don't know what the word is at the moment. They would they, they would like to prevent end-to-end encryption on anything where their child is using a device or a service. Obviously, this brings with it. I mean, so the, obviously the reasons for this are obviously kids are being exposed to things that they shouldn't be exposed to or you know there's you know they're being bullied harassed there's sexual predation going on and the government are saying we can't look and protect children if we have end-to-end encryption on everything because everything is locked down nobody can release the information because it's simply not available so we want to do away with that now the problem with that is <laughs> there's no way to remove end-to-end encryption just from kids services and does it really offer you know it's it's like a, they've gone for a, a big grab um of of data there and or the ability to access data um on the grounds that it's going to protect kids when it's not necessarily you know at the end result will probably be a less secure internet for everybody um yeah I, it's so we've talked about encryption before and you know so governments you know many governments across the world see this as a threat to themselves and i get i get why but equally it's also a threat to end users if you're getting things constantly snooped um also the, the bit i can't figure out is how do you know as a kid using it mm. yeah yeah so it's, just, it's like know, all that those whole, things yeah. that whole identity thing of of you know there needs to be other things need to drop to to then say right this is a because you because you can't tie it to an app isn't a kid app on its own you know it's like you know do you see tiktoks for kids only it's not 
there's, there's folk of all ages on it, you know, same with Instagram, same with Facebook. So, in fact, there's probably more kids on Snapchat and TikTok than there is on Instagram and Facebook. I um, mean, so my, my point is that you won't find a government minister on any application that isn't end-to-end encrypted spreading their racist bile that sometimes sneaks out. Um, you know, it's it, so it's it's kind of... They don't want end-to-end encryption for everyone else, but they would certainly not be using a system that didn't have end-to-end encryption themselves. It's uh, and that's and that goes for everyone. But equally, there is a child welfare issue here going on. The internet has caused damage, harm, and is causing damage and harm to to kids. And it's how do we solve that? It's it's the how does that happen? Uh, yeah. But I don't think turning off encryption is the right answer. No, I, and I think most, yeah. Because it, it was there before mm. we had end-to-end encryption, you know, so it's not it, it's it's not like it's not been a problem for years. It was a problem before the internet, um, you know, so there's, a, a, it's, uh, it's a difficult one. It really, it really is, I, and I guess I, that's I think, why they're struggling. <laughs> they're, they're struggling because I think they want to be seen to being tough, you know, and obviously you know, the perpetrators of this, and quite rightly so, but but that encryption, yes, so yes, encryption does stop you monitoring it, um, but it also unpicks so many other things. Well, yeah, underlying um, end-to-end encryption, you need it for so many different things for the internet to work and operate, um, but yeah. they just don't want chat and communications to go through it. Um, yeah. So I don't know where this will go because we've seen, you know, and the article talks about that, we've seen other things where they talked around... You know, they talked around the kind of porn, you know... Porn blockers, of, yeah. Yeah, that, that were supposed to come in and talk to them for so long. And I think they then realised, even though it was all past and it's coming, that this is unworkable. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not been mentioned be another, for ages, has it? No, and I think this would be another... This would be another probably poor law if they did pass. Because what, what they're basically saying is if it, if it passes in law, it would, it, it would force um, app providers... Um, you would be basically breaking the law in the UK if you provided an app that that was end-to-end encrypted, um, which is a real, I think, a real difficult place to be. And and again, probably much like we're seeing with um, Freedom Day tomorrow, um, it would place the UK is pretty unique across the world right mm. now. Um, I know there's, I know there'll be, you know, there's China and other places where I think there is some woolly terms around what where the encryption. You know where the encryption, um, in, not chips, but actual encryption codes are, and can people get into see data? And um, it's all a bit, you know, vague and, and murky. And, and there's other places where they just don't allow. You know, India have banned Twitter, or you know, other places have just banned apps. But we don't want to be that. You know, I, I, I see, I see people on the right making real points today around how face masks are infringing their freedoms, and it's like, so do we really want to get to a point where? Something like end encryption, you're breaking the law if you enforce it. Seems, you know, I, I just can't tie the two together. Apart from, I get that you want to snoop on people. And I get you can see it from a terrorism and a child, you know, exploitation perspective. There's a number of different ways you can see, right? I get how, um, I get how our um, security forces can benefit from it. But equally, I think there's so much gets damaged by allowing it. Uh, and the problem is that they haven't, when they've had tools and sweetie candy boxes like this, as I like to call them, they play, they can go and dip their fingers in 
they have provably broken the law many times before it's not been trustworthy so for all the uh, you know i strongly believe that you know it, nearly everyone is working to uh, you know for the right reasons but there are times when it would be it's very convenient for a government to dip their fingers into something like that and have a look at what's going on um, at their convenience and without proper oversight and it, and like i say provably it's happened before um but that's a bit but equally i say that that's not to diminish what they're trying to achieve here which is you know a an internet that works for kids we've never had a generation of kids that have worked well you know grown up entirely like with this you know this you know the internet as it is now in such an all-pervasive time and and they are whilst we're you're saying do we really want to make the uk this kind of testing ground well kids are effectively a testing ground right now for what's going to happen and how do you how do you protect them because uh, at the moment we're not doing a good job at protecting them um, yeah but i think i think there is a responsibility on parents responsibility and other you know i don't i don't think it's just all a tech issue um and that's what i was trying to land with the you know you know these problems have been here and we've seen these horrible cases coming out from the 60s and 70s you know where kids were abused um and kids were abused and went to the police and went to authorities and it was covered up you know so i can you can you can go and look at these things and say just taking off encryption and then saying right you can you can monitor what's going on doesn't mean doesn't solve the problem yet no um but uh, but i agree it's a horrible ugly problem you know and we, we we've got no idea of the scope and scale of it that's no. that's the challenge we're, we're and i guess that's know. the whole point that's what they're arguing we don't know what the yeah. scope challenge and, and broad and breadth of this is you know uh, yeah and, and i think we've seen and we're going to come on to our next one we've seen just how ugly you know people on the internet can be yeah so uh so yeah instagram um they came out and admitted that their moderation came up with came up short when it came to the English footballers getting racist abuse so their initial automated systems didn't rank um, the emojis and the text that was going flowing through as racist abuse it said it was probably fine it came within our registration uh, our normal limits what it didn't do is ever flag it to a human for checking um, and I, you know yeah it's so basically they it was all down to this algorithm the algorithm deemed that it was okay and that's why we saw so much racial abuse get spread and perpetrated and i get what they're saying but the it doesn't wash for me i get I, I feel really so i mean i watched watched football last sunday obviously obviously for an england supporter <laughs> it's probably a, a you know a tragedy i was like fine whatever um, I felt really sorry for the three young guys because you knew, and, and I mean, um, uh, Bukayo Saka has come out and said it on Thursday this week. Um, he says, to the social media platforms, I don't want any child or adult to have to receive the hateful and hurtful messages that me, Marcus and Jaden have received this week. I knew instantly the kind of hate that I was about to receive. So that's, again, it's nothing to do with the platform. That tells you where we are as society. And that is a sad reality that your powerful platforms are not doing enough to stop these messages. Uh, and I think this is back to the. Uh, it's just I, I really despair, especially around racism. You know, they, they, you know, people people better than us have highlighted it. You know, you don't people aren't born racist. You know, you're born with no prejudice. And it's clearly their upbringing and the environment they're in that is that is seeding. There's the no hate. doubt that there's no doubt that it wouldn't have mattered if, if who which England 
team it would have you know would have missed would have come into criticism and but it it wouldn't necessarily have spawned into that hate and that immediate yeah. reversal to base and just absolute you know and and the fact that it you know missing a penalty as an england player it comes down to a racial issue it's just it's such a shame in that we have never been able to shake this and get rid of it no uh, and it's almost a shame well it's not almost a shame it's a shame that we appear to be going a little bit backwards on it as well um with you know and 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 the bit the bit I know because I know that I know Instagram have come out and said their their automated you know technology didn't work. BBC News reported you know several emojis, so a lot of it was either bananas, you know, orangutans, or even the words. You know, the words are there, and the people were reporting it, yeah. and then getting a message back saying we don't think this goes against our guidelines. Yeah. and you're like, what what do you need? Yeah, yeah, that's right. How much yeah. do you need? And also, who at Instagram? So. So who, I guess all those messages going to them also went to an algorithm that, that didn't. Uh, yeah, but, is what they're but saying. Who on Instagram wasn't watching the football on Sunday night, didn't realise that three black players missed penalties, and didn't think there was going to be a whole lot of hate. Yeah, it just feels such a misstep that 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 you know there was nothing done, and then they put a pretty glib statement three days later going, "Yeah, we didn't do enough." Um, and and we fixed it. And it's like you've not fixed it because people are putting up still more content and more hate. But like still like like away. you're saying, it's um, before it's not just a tech issue. This is a societal issue, and until you know, you can't just silence the voices unless you get rid of them. You know, I I, I agree. But but when you when you look at a like a monkey or banana emoji against a black player, is that really yeah, not no, going to be racist? I agree. If somebody's using the N-word or saying black followed by a swear word, I, I don't know, feels pretty straightforward to me. And I think that's the challenge around these platforms. There's some things that we've seen. Um, and that's been the bit of, I, we've covered it time and again, there's things that we've seen, whether it was Trump, Brexit, um, you know, immigration. It's pretty obvious as a as a reader just when you see it. And, and, and again, the guy, a 19-year-old on an yeah. enviable position on Sunday night, he knew as soon as he missed it what he was what he was now going to get. What a horrible thing to be going through his head. Just and that's a more society thing, you know. But it's just the the, the ah ugly, 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 ugly. And I just I just think we need to do more. And it's a bit like the government side of things that the encryption won't help it. But there's a whole other things, and I think you know government messaging over the last month has been horrendous as well around you know taking the knee and Black Lives Matter and then all of a sudden when they get to semi-finals they're all like yeah come on boys let's put the England top on it's like sod off you know you were asked to do you were asked to do something and support that team and you didn't and then and then you turned it into your own gesture politics anyway let's not get too political I just as the heat in this room's rising I can feel more in blood boiling right now <laughs> So Twitter now has extended their ability to... Well, they, they stopped people being able to reply to tweets. Or the, the author could say, don't let anyone reply to this tweet or only let my friends reply to this tweet. Uh, they have extended that now so that you don't have to make that decision at the time you make the tweet. You can do it as a post fix. So you can go and uh, update a tw tweet so that it, you know only certain people can reply to it. Uh, yeah. And hopefully this uh, means you can, if you've got an angry person replying to your tweet and you're like, just go away, you can just say, stop, stop replying. Yeah. Stop replying. 
so I think I think that'll help. Uh, I, I, again, when you see when you see some of the posts and you see like people, you know, thousands of people replying to it negatively, you're not going to go in and manage it that way. But I think there's certain threads that I will follow, particularly things like, um, you know, other you know software devs or security people, or you know, you'll see it with some of the the scientists. You know, when they're putting out a good thread around things. To be able just to limit that to say, actually, I just want the conversation to be between these people. Yeah, I think it well, will, it, make and it, it can make far... it a no- yeah, it can make it a noisy thing. Whereas there was an interesting yeah. thread, and it gets killed because it gets interjected, has nonsense placed in it, or whatever happens. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's just a danger, isn't it? So it's the benefit of of being in Twitter because you've had those those um, amazing interactions over the years where it's like um, you know somebody's put something out and then you know a famous person has replied or somebody else has said LinkedIn something else and it's like you would never have got that without something like Twitter I'm guessing Twitter um, are hoping it, that people aren't going to widely use this just to make it a, a voice platform as in just a it, yeah, know, single yeah. one way thing Yeah, they're also shutting down Fleets so Fleets was their kind of Instagram story type uh, replacement and I guess they're just they're, they're saying no one really used it and I think that's probably quite true I don't Really, ever look at them, but they they are now shutting down that service as a, a lost cause. And I think well done. The um, they they, they, they first tested a, a year, you know, just at the start of COVID, um, and this is all based on the you know like Snapchat stories and then Instagram stories and everybody's had stories and um, this was their alternative. Uh, it kind stories. of it seems to work on Instagram, doesn't it? People use it all the time, yeah. but it doesn't work. Yeah. It hasn't worked on Twitter and Facebook even. It has got stories, but it's almost a forced thing rather than anything else. Yeah, every platform. Even LinkedIn's got it. Wow. <laughs> and you see like the odd like the odd little circle up here at the top and you're like, no, I'm not, not clicking on it. Um, but the, I think um, Fair Play, so rather than flogging a dead horse, they've said, tried it, learned some things, killing it. Because it does take up you know, real estate if one or two people were using it. Um and so yeah, I think fair play. You've 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 tested it in public. It didn't work. You're going to move on. I think we'll see their audio. I try to remember what their audio rooms are called. I think they're going to or spaces. Um, so I think spaces are going to start to become more prominent mm-hmm. as they try and make sure that that they are leading and not clubhouse. Xbox Game Streaming has now exited its beta, and you can now get all of the that streaming goodness on your ios devices via web browsers so they have solved all of the technical if you remember months ago we were talking about uh, apple banned them for not banned them they they took them off the service saying you can't you need we need to be able to review every single bit of software that comes out and because you're a collection of software you're not just a you know just a single app uh, it goes against our terms and conditions and we're not gonna we're not gonna let you do it so App, Google, Microsoft said, right, okay, well, we'll go browser-based and they've solved all the problems of that and now you can uh, get your Xbox streaming through a browser. Um, yes, and it's been on Android for a while. Um, you can use it on PC. You can even use it on your older Xbox to play new games. Wow. So it's... Um, That's quite it's, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, um, and and I've tried it, I tried it on iPad. And it and it worked okay. There was a there's a bit of lag. I tried you know, tried Halo. It's a bit of lag. It's like you you ain't gonna use it for this. Um, but I, as I said, for certain games, and there was even I even just found there was a slight button lag. But you were but I was looking for it. So I think because you're looking for it, you notice it. Whereas I think you would get used to it 
if you if you were you know that was your you know but for things like if you're doing like a point and click adventure or you're doing some other things it's like it's, it's going to be fine well we've talked There's before of... about all the stadia thing and 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 i know that i had seemingly a better stadia experience than you when we were playing destiny i didn't notice any lag or anything whereas you were suffering occasionally from that kind of lag and yeah post catch up yeah, I, I ended up like two three seconds behind you know Thanks, it was Virgin. like you were <laughs> but it but it varied mm. it was a strange it, was, it, it seemed to vary from session to session which makes me think you know was it the, you know was it the device you were connected into on the cloud I, 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 who knows but um this works i still i still you know big boo on apple for just not allowing us as an app i think it's ridiculous that they said they need to review every bit of content um i just think it's them protecting they get most yeah, of their money definitely protection um, yeah they get most of their money through games and and while they're hacks i know there's lots of people saying it's no different to netflix or amazon prime yep or sky go where where you don't ask to review any of their content um but this is where they make money in the app store and Netflix, interestingly, have hired a number of Facebook streaming game developers. Lots of rumours that Netflix see this as their next area to go to. Well, I guess they're already channeling all that data down and shoveling it all down the pipe. So why why, why not, not have an investigation as to see whether we can do games as well on the top of that? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yep. It makes sense. Um, Valve came out with a, a product called Steam Deck. This is basically a handheld PC. So... Imagine a Switch um, that was slightly less colourful and um, with a bigger screen and slightly larger with overall. Uh, and they, you've pretty much got what the Stream Deck is, but this is a PC in your hands. And you, the idea is that you will be able to play pretty high-level PC games as a handheld device. And, and it's certainly captured imagination. Um, yeah. Um, so it, And I think maybe the thing you'd slightly missed... No, not but 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 it's double the weight of a of a switch, which so. already feels quite heavy sometimes after a long period of play. I know yeah. it's not heavy, but it's um, but after a period. So yeah, it, this is certainly gonna build your forearm muscles. And it's got um, it, it, I mean, it's and it's basically it's one of these. To me, it sums up almost like um, you know, where is a switch? And I would say the consoles are really focused from a design perspective. They've just put every button on it. So yes, it's, so it's like <laughs> it's got it's got two it's got two thumbsticks. It's got the usual four button layout in the front. It's got a D pad as well. It's got two touch pads either side. It's then got four, I guess, shoulder triggers you call them. But it's also got four buttons around the back, a bit like the, the Xbox the, Elite, the, yeah. the Xbox Elite controller. So it's like it's they have more... they've whopped all of them on, but then again, that probably signifies the fact that PC gaming has so many different control methods, and how do you yes. replicate mouse? Uh, and really, you you can't. But they're they're going down this touchpad route to see whether that will work, and and early signs from people are saying that you can use them. It's not going to yeah. be like you're never going to get your big streamers. <laughs> being ultra accurate with them but then but nevertheless you it does mean that you can take your favorite games along with you and and, and have the mouse aspect of that i think i think what was important is the kind of games they showed weren't you know they weren't the you know it wasn't like Fortnite running on it it was um you know Baldur's gate crusader kings disco Elysium, hades which is a bit more action oriented star wars jedi fallen order you know so it wasn't uh you're running battlefield 5 
Yeah. You know, and I think I think that's just accepting of what's what where where's this target market and a lot you know, a lot of the a lot of the demo videos all showed like Stardew Valley because it's probably one of the you know it's nintendo-esque yeah and it's a you know, it's a game at... that you you're going to want to take along with you so kids are going to want to go and, and on yeah. their car journey they can play stardew all the way there yeah great you know what so, a, what a so, time to be a kid <laughs> uh, yeah or, or an adult so the um <laughs> or a grown up so kid. the um so 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 the um 720p screen and um, custom chip inside which i think I think either you or somebody I was talking to said is is basically giving you like PS4 type performance, because um, all these things it's hard to tell. 16 gig of RAM, micro SD slot, and there's three different versions that basically all come with different storage. So the base model, four hundred dollars, sixty four gig. Next model up at five two nine dollars with a faster storage, um, but and, and two five six, and you get some sort of stream community profile bundle nonsense and then top tier um 649 and it's 512 um which is high speed um storage and you get some premium anti-clear etched glass and it comes with a carry case and some some exclusive th- you know theme whatever um, and this will also have a dock in the same way the switch will as well so you can have a dock if you want which will out- output a much or a higher resolution again so whereas the screen is 720p 60 uh it will with the dock go up to 4k potentially uh, yeah which i was quite surprised that they said the 4, 4k at 120 hertz and even 8k so again it's almost like whether that's the, just upscaled though that's what that's the uh, that's the, yeah. the devil in the detail i guess uh yep um, it'll also it, so it doesn't run so although we've said PC doesn't run Windows mm-hmm. um, so it's running SteamOS okay. which is Linux based um, so it's got a compatibility layer that lets Windows games run in Linux um, but the device isn't closed and that's the bit that kind of caught my eye um, so you'll be able to play Xbox games on it um, you could use it as a you know an emulation machine. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you've got, if you're into that, so um, yeah, very interesting. And I poo pooed it all, but then bought one. <laughs> well, you've put four pound security. I put, I put a whole four pound <laughs> down. So, so Steam absolutely collapsed. Yeah, apparently the whole service went this, down, right? Yeah, this and and I, my Twitter. So I wasn't, I wasn't that intrigued. I was, I was certainly intrigued because I thought this is the kind of you know do your own hackable portable device. Um, and, and it just it just interested me to see what it was um, and then I, my Twitter stream was just with everybody trying to buy one I was like Ugh. Um, so I've not I've not got a pre-order on the initial batch because they're hoping to launch this before the I, end of the I think year. that there's so many people who have they see the four quid security deposit whatever it was down that I think that queue will reduce uh, when the actual uh, product comes to clo- well closer a bit like when you yeah. you see a lot of people put a deposit down for a new car and then that suddenly queue disappears quite quick uh, yeah and also i think once reviews come out and people realize maybe some of the limitations or here's what we thought it could do and it can't yeah. um and also i saw one thing i would give it steam um as a as, as a company i don't think are great at, at following through on the hardware uh or sorry i should more say valve um, you know they have released lots of different hardware products, and then just it just kind of withers and dies. Just dies, yeah. But it's interesting so, that this one caught such imagination and a lot of you know yeah. spark. You know, people certainly were intrigued to be able to take some of their PC games or whatever their games along with them. 
so yeah it was definitely that um and we've seen switch as well um they've come out with a new version of the switch it's going to have a seven inch oled screen on it um i think um the resolutions are all the same on board but it is just a, a nicer yeah. and slightly larger screen uh, yeah so yeah seven inch so same interestingly same size um, screen as that um steam deck we just talked around so slightly bigger than the current switch but oled um, and there's been lots of talk about a Switch Pro, which was going to have, um, you know, better screen, OLED, and um, would allow you up to 4K if plugged in, because currently I think it just does up to 1080p. It does, yeah. When you, when you plug in the dock. Um, but this was exactly the same. There was nothing different apart from um, that OLED screen. Uh, and it's $50 more. So $50 higher than the Switch, which was launched four years ago. Yep. Um, so yeah, and in, in, interesting direction. It feels, and again, I I I looked at it and thought, well, they're missing a the trick here. And it just feels like, and, and again, never bet against Nintendo because uh-huh. because the Switch is obviously the biggest selling thing, you know, in gaming for years. Um, but I just I just feel that um, I think if you're a diehard Switch user, there's probably not enough here to to buy this. But it Equally, might just get, grab that, those new people that are on the edge of you know whether uh, I get yep. one or not. Uh, yeah, but also there's a chip shortage, so I'm guessing they also looked at the if we launch a new yeah. Switch this year, we probably can't get the volumes out the same way that Xbox um, and Sony can't get the volumes out. Yep. Yeah. Talk about Nintendo being the gift that keeps giving. If you happen to have a sealed copy of Super Mario 64 um, in pristine condition and unused... Um, you could be holding $1.5 million in your hand, £1.1 million, pounds, um, which was the price that, that, say, the aforementioned Super Mario 64 pristine inbox unused cartridge sold um, recently. Um, just nutty amounts of money. I, I, I couldn't believe it. This was a whole... This, this, this unlocked a few things for me. So I'd never heard of this company called, I guess it's Wata. So it's a, a video game collectible firm that rates, it grades basically um, the condition of the product that's being sold. So Super Mario 64 in the same auction had a 9.6 A++ rating and it sold for $13,000. This was a 9.8 A++ rating but sold for $1.5 million. Nutty, isn't it? it it's just... Um, and and the, the the record for an old game had just been set the day before, which was a 1988 copy of The Legend of Zelda. Obviously, um, it has to be so, the right game, uh, you know, and uh, yeah. obviously it has to be the right game that's become hugely successful. But how many of us all bought one of those cartridges when we were kids and like, and are thinking, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? You, you, it's hard to know what the future collectibles are going to be. Especially when um, you think how many they were selling at the time. Yeah. And they were selling millions, the same way that games sell millions. And I, guess, I guess the thing nowadays is because everything's gone digital, uh, there's there's less in that product space. Um, NFTs. But yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, 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 believe, couldn't believe the price. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And it's um, such a, I mean, I've got probably the cartridges sat somewhere in the house, but they're certainly... I have. So I've got box cartridges. They're certainly here. not 9.6A++. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope, so I've got, I've got boxed SNES games yeah. up the stairs. I've still got my SNES. I've still got the, and again, when the lottery win comes in, I set up my <laughs> I set up my you know my proper retro room. 
Petrol um, room, love it. They make they make come in. I actually got I went down a, another rabbit hole. You can there's there's a couple of firms now, um, and you can use your original devices, and they've got all the ROMs baked into one cartridge that fits in the cartridge slot, so you can just pick which game you want to launch. Nice. Nice. and use your original hardware because of course you must have the original uh, software to be able to do that as well Ian. Uh, which, which I, I do actually <laughs> <laughs> so Love I, I maybe don't have I maybe don't have a thousand SNES games but I think I, think, I, think I had about 130, 140 amazing I had a pretty big I had a pretty big SNES catalogue now you've just got a big app catalogue instead uh, now I've just got a an old um, I'm saying old, but I've, instead of an SSD, I've just got an HDD filled <laughs> filled on the PC. Yeah, I think there's a couple. Um, it's a couple of terabyte. Never ever add up your uh, lifetime cost of ownership of consoles and buying apps. Um, you would probably be shocked. I just <laughs> added up last year and it was seven grand. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing. Damn it. <laughs> right. That is enough rabbiting. Thank you very much for getting this far. Um, uh, you can find out more about us, who we are, at uh, digitaloutbox.com. Email is info at digitaloutbox.com and Twitter is digitaloutbox. I am on Twitter as CheesyUK. Ian, where do we find you? Iandick.com. When's your next race, Chris? Two weeks away. Happy days. I look forward to your rolling start. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 